four for the Eagles here. Murphy in shotgun. Here's the snap. He rolls left. He throws. Welcome to the WZBC Sports Podcast, episode 18. Glad to be joined again by uh, friends of mine and two experts on the hockey team here. You guys were on our only hockey podcast earlier this year. I believe that was maybe in the episode like six or something like that. So we've certainly come a long way. Quinn Kelly, Kyle Maslin joining me. I'm Steve McAuley. Breaking down the 2016-2017 BC hockey season. Uh, up and down, I think, would be a good way to character- characterize this season. Some nice things that hopefully we can build on in the future, but certainly a bad end of the year. Um, not in the NCAA tournament, which for a school like BC, uh, that hockey program is, not sure if I'd say unacceptable, but certainly not not the norm and not what we want to see become the norm uh, with you know such standards at this level. So guys, let's kind of get right into it. All said and done, BC hockey finished the season 21-15-4 and four overall and 13-6-3 and three in Hockey East. This was a young team, 10 contributing freshmen. Uh, at times this year, and you know, I'd probably say about seven of them were, were contributing the whole year um, in, in some facet or another. As you look back, what are your big takeaways um, from a season, like I said, that was definitely up and down at times? Well, the biggest takeaway, I have to say, is that they found another great goaltender to take Demko's place. Odin Jared BU had a better year, but I think Joel has all the makings of a fantastic college goalie if he stays and develops three, maybe even four years depending on when the Maple Leafs want to bring him in. And besides that, there's a lot of youth, and I feel like this is one of those classes that a lot of guys are going to stay four years. You're not going to have the mass exodus that we had last year of having no seniors next year. I feel like a lot of guys here are going to stay, even the better ones, as like Cotton or uh, McPhee. I just think that this is going to kind of lay a groundwork where I think next year's recruiting class has more bigger names on it to then join this now solid sophomore class for next year that will now have gained experience and hopefully a lot of the to be juniors next year will stay so we don't understand so this is all sophomores and freshmen hopefully we can get some juniors obviously as I said no seniors yeah I, th- I think I totally agree with you on the Joe Wall point I think that you bring up Ottinger and really the difference between the two of them is simply the fact that Ottinger has one of the best defenses in the country in front of him. I mean, they have BU has all six of their defensemen have been drafted. Um, and BC's defense was just not there at times. And that's a product of being young. And, and I think that the same way that BC played a lot of their games is the same way that they played out this whole season. They were a very young team who just didn't have the legs under them yet to play competitive college hockey, and they consistently petered off in the third period. And you saw it happen at the end of the season where they just couldn't put it together in the final month of the season. But then you see them get hot at tournament time because they had a couple weeks off to rest and kind of replenish. It's it's just a young team who isn't isn't used to the grind. Um, other than that, you know, bright futures for David Cotton. He showed that he can hang with the best of them. Big, big physical guy. And uh, definitely a surprise, like the third highest touted player uh, coming out of that class. And he was an absolute delight and uh, and just a huge contributor on this team. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into some of the freshmen uh, specifically and kind of who really contributed. But Cotton, he was one of my favorite players to watch this year. Um, 
But guys, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. Maybe I mean I think it, in terms of expectations for this year, no one expected certainly last year's team. But no one expected maybe you know, a deep run into the first and four or something like that. It's just because they were so young. But what were some of the things that maybe just didn't didn't go correctly? I mean, I, you know, Quinn, you mentioned that they peered off in the third period, so they they didn't play full games. The power play was was ugly at times this year. Um, so I don't know what were some things that, despite it being a young team, were you know they could have done that better, or I want to see them improve in that area. Well, you have to go start off at special teams. The power play and the penalty kill were not good. There were a ton of dumb penalties taken by members from every single grade level. It wasn't just the freshmen taking dumb penalties when the team couldn't afford it. The PK was in the low 80 percentages, 80 percentile, I should say, and the power play was not very good. There weren't that many power play goals. But the biggest thing of this year that you had to look at is number 28. That's the 28 days in the month of February when this team went winless. And that's what killed it, killed the team in the end. I think a part of that is, as Quinn was saying, the grind as we got to the last full month of the year. But if you want to say and capitalize what went wrong, you just look at those 28 days. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. And I think that you can't really go further than um, than just how many t- penalties they took. The power play, obviously, that was disappointing. But that's a lot of guys, and we saw this. You were coming off a year where you were spoiled with guys like Tuck and Sanford, um, who just could finish they were finishers they were guys who knew how to score goals and the team really didn't have that this year I mean you had Kanj and Gaudreau who were playing well above expected maybe not so much Kanj but Gaudreau was playing above expected Colin wasn't finishing the way that he was expected to and and Fitzy had a tough season and I mean you talk to the seniors and it seems like he was a steady decline from freshman to senior year and he just wasn't producing in terms of goals so the power play was kind of to be expected they didn't have anybody who was a real a real finisher but the issue for me was was less on the freshman and and maybe it was just because it stands out more to you when it happens but the senior leaders on this team did a really, really bad job of setting the example in terms of not taking dumb penalties, and it felt like it was constantly the Matty Gaudreau's, and even not a senior leader, but Colin White, taking some really, really egregious penalties and setting this team back. And when you have to make up for inexperienced freshman play, you can't be the ones that are putting your team at a disadvantage. Yeah, I mean, the Gaudreau penalties, it seemed like every game there is one, that, at least every loss, is one that's really frustrated you. And he's, he's a, I mean, Gaudreau's a guy that improve in a lot of different ways um probably not the talent level that some of these other guys have but yeah you're right i mean dumb penalties uh and it just kind of wasn't a full package this year uh because as i said this team this team does not make the ncaa tournament first time since 2009 that bc is not in the tournament um simple question characterize your thoughts kind of on this team being the first team out they were the first team out that that first team out of the tournament um you know, is that something that, that is acceptable this season? What, do you think this team should have been in the tournament? Um, you know, what, kind of what are your thoughts uh, in that area? Because it is disappointing, you know, as, as a fan of the, of the BC hockey team. I think a huge letdown. If they had been up and down the whole season, I think fans would have been more prepared for it. They had a great start. After they beat Notre Dame at the end of January, as I said, they were number seventh in the pairwise, I believe it was. That's, you're talking about a two seed in the NCAA tournament if you stay there. But as I said, 28th of February, they went winless, including losses to Merrimack and Northeastern, who are not great teams and shouldn't be on quite the same levels that we are. And if you win one of those games, if you win one of the games against Vermont instead of tying them, if you beat Lowell one of the two games in the very end of the year, that's the difference between you being the first team out and making it in as 
the last team instead of Providence. We, we played Providence. Providence didn't look that good against us. We played them at Frozen Fenway, which Quinn broadcasted. And then earlier in the year, which unfortunately we did not have a chance to broadcast because it was on Nesson. But this team, especially if you looked at them the first three months of the year, looked like a tournament team. It looked like a team that maybe could win a game, maybe two games, if things broke right for them. But the month of February just killed them when they, as Quinn was saying, lost their legs and they just couldn't keep up with the grind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's disappointing because of that that month, because of where they were at the end of January, and and as you said, Kyle being seventh in the pairwise, and just really what it's hard to kind of wrap your head around it now that we've lived it and we're still kind of in the midst of it and the season's just ended, but that was really a monumental collapse on their part to fall 10 spots in the rankings and end up going from a two seed with perhaps even a choice of region if they played, if they won a couple more of those games, to falling all the way to out of the tournament. That's disappointing, but if you were to step back and look at it from the beginning of the season and kind of where we thought they were going to be. They were right where we thought we were going to be better than we thought maybe in the hockey standings and, you know, a little worse than the pairwise. It was going to be um, a team that kind of snuck into the tournament with all these freshmen, but they played well above their potential in the, in the end and then well below it, or at the beginning and then well below it at the end. But um, really, it's a lot of guys, like you said, who are going to be around here for a few more years. So... Not the worst thing to carry with them. It'd be nice if a lot of these guys were kind of motivated by the sting of um, being that number 17 team. Yeah, that's a great point um, about using this as motivation. Uh, like These guys, a uh, competitive bunch. Jerry York always is a fiery bunch, so hopefully they can use that. Um, as, as we talked about, this team, a lot of freshmen. So the future's bright in that regard, at least in terms of numbers. Uh, but the team is losing five seniors, which is somewhat rare at BC since many uh, of the players leave for the NHL before they get to their senior year. As you know, a lot of players that are you know drafted at high school and, and go to the NHL, you know, well before four years. That being said, these five players—Savage, Cangelosi, Goudreau, Cownan, and Ryan Fitzgerald—were all key players and, and big leaders for this team. How will BC rebound from their departures? Well, you really just got to look at young guys stepping up. As you said, there's no seniors next year due to the mass exodus after last season. And waiting to see who leaves, who could potentially leave this year, because there are a couple draft picks in the, in the current sophomore class. Hopefully most, if not all of them, stay, but that could be a big change as well. But I think the guy that's going to be the hardest to replace is Austin Cangelosi, because he was scrappy, he could finish, and he was great in the face-off circle. And face-offs are such an underrated part of a hockey game, to be able to win key ones on both ends of the ice to either get the goal when you get late or to help preserve a lead winning a late face-off in your own zone. And there's not the same face-off guy in the current roster because Fitzgerald was, I'd say, the number two guy in face-offs and the most trusted besides Cangelosi, and they're both gone. If Colin White stays, he was a solid face-off guy. But outside of that, there weren't that many guys who were great and reliable in the circle like Cangelosi was. No, that's a, it's a key point to, to hone in on because you had that was the one thing that you could definitively say that the Boston College team had that was better than anybody else in the country. Cangelosi is the best face-off man in the country, and you can't replace that. And there's nobody on the roster right now that you can look at and say, oh, they're going to re- be ready to slide up there. Um, other than that, I mean, it's just tough to lose so many of your top-line forwards and and know how young you're going to have to remain and how young you're going to have to roll up at those top lines. I mean, they were the youngest team by age this past year, 
And I'm pretty sure they're going to be even younger than that next year. I mean, they're going to be replacing the five seniors with uh, another big freshman class, and it's going to be almost strictly freshmen and sophomores with a few juniors. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing is just the holes that they're going to leave. I, I think that for as as not flashy as they were at times, the senior class, I think that people underestimate just how, how much it's going to hurt to lose these guys. Yeah, they were a big piece to this team. Um, a lot of guys that embodied the really good things about this program, but the team will have to move forward. Um, Kyle, as you mentioned earlier, Joe Wall, really good season. I think all things considered, he had a really good hockey semifinals against BU. Um, and good showings at certain stretches of the season. Finished the year with a, with a 9-13 save percentage. So what did you think of him this year? Um, and how good can he be? in the coming season. I mean, we came off three years of Thatcher Demko, and by the third season, it was a lot of fun to watch. So in, in relation to that, how good can Joe Wall be? Well, I think he can be really, really good. He's a second-round pick by the Maple Leafs. I'm not ready to say that he can be quite like, De- like Demko just because how special Demko was his junior year, but I think he could rival being that good. He has all the physical capabilities. He's a big-bodied goaltender, and he has a great glove. He just needs to mature and improve in a couple ways. I'm not exactly a goaltender coach, but he has someone, especially keeping his a cool head, especially as me and Quinn saw in the Harvard game, when a couple breaks didn't go his way, he started losing his edge. And that's when it, but that's a freshman learning curve. And I just feel like a year under his belt as a starting goaltender, that he has all the physical tools. And even our backup goaltender, Ryan Edquist, he didn't play a ton of games, but when he played, he was really effective. And he was, Joe Wall was a late commit here. Edquist was originally going to be the guy coming in, but after Demko left, Wall switched. So I think between the two goaltenders that BC has a lot of capable and both big-bodied goalies. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Wool absolutely has the potential to be as good as Demko. I don't know that he could put together the junior season Demko did just because of how historic that season was and the fact that nobody's put together a season like that. But he definitely has the raw talent to be as good of a player as Thatcher Demko. Um, you mentioned the, the semifinal game against BU. I think that just proves that, that he is ready to hang with some of the best offenses of the country because... We talked about it on the broadcast that that kind of felt like a game where they were selling out and they had stumbled offensively up until that Vermont series in the in the quarterfinals. And it felt like because of how little they've been able to do against the BU defense in their previous three meetings, they were just going to throw bodies at the net, sell out. And it was going to be at the detriment of their defense. And it definitely was. I mean, Wool made five, six, seven unbelievable stops in that game and was really hung out to dry a couple times by his defense so he, he definitely has shown that when he needs to he can he can stand on his head for this team because you know the defense wasn't there at times and luckily for him I think the defense is going to be much better next year than it was this year and uh, he could he can continue to progress in his own skill and with a better defense in front of him he could be the top goaltender in the country yeah, I hope to see that. And Quinn, you're right. There are some ridiculous saves in that BU game. And that's the kind of stuff that can't really be taught. And you just kind of got to have those qualities, especially to show up for a big game like that. Um, so excited to see him going forward. He was one of the freshmen uh, that contributed big time on this team. Maybe outside of him, give me a freshman um, this year that you're excited about next year who can make an impact. If you were to give me one, one name that you know, PC fans are looking out for, who would it be? I mean, the flash name is David Cotton, but one guy who I love watching play is Ron Greco. He was a fourth-line center for most of the year, and he was just kind of a gritty, tough guy. He wasn't afraid to start playing physical with anybody on the ice. And I felt like he was always kind of going, up, going 100 miles an hour, 
physical, not necessarily the best finisher, but you can do all those little things. Like you were saying the senior class did. They weren't always flashy, but they could do the little things to keep the team together. I feel like Ron Greco is in that same mold, almost as a Chris Callen type of player. Not quite as good as Callen, but plays with a similar style. For me, I mean, outside of Wool, who is going to continue to be the most exciting prospect, I think, on this uh, on this roster, it's got to be Graham McPhee. I know I talked about him on the previous hockey podcast we can. I try to plug for him almost any time I'm talking BC hockey because I really think that for outside of the fact that he wasn't producing in terms of points this year, which was mainly because of the fact that that he was on the lower two lines and he, he perhaps didn't have the people who could get him the puck in the right spots. I, I think he is a fantastic talent, and I think he showed so many times this year that he is a gritty player and he's got incredible skill. And if he just develops a little bit, I mean, he slid up and down. He played as high as the first line, as low as the fourth. He slid up and down the whole forward line, and he was just a great meld piece. And he showed that he can play with anybody and he can play with a lot of skill. And, and, and he really excites me going forward, um, perhaps being a future top-line pair with David Cotton. His goal against Lowell was a beauty. It was. Yeah, there's some of these guys on, on that fourth line. Um, they didn't get a ton of time, but they always played hard out there. I always enjoyed watching them. Um, and I guess Booth would be our guy on that line as well. So, yeah, McPhee, there's, some, there's definitely some talent there. And you're right, Greco always played hard. So uh, two good names. I, I like those guys. Um, if we kind of look to maybe the other end of the spectrum, the guys that might be departing BC, a couple guys on the team have NHL contracts. Um, may depart. Colin White is the one that comes to mind. Uh, Casey Fitzgerald also... Um, has been drafted he he probably will stay i think it's maybe our thoughts but if i had to give you those two or maybe even anyone else i, I don't think any of the freshmen will be leaving um do you think white takes that deal with ottawa um does fitzgerald go as well and if they do where's that leave bc um i think casey fitzgerald is going to say i think he has a lot to learn on the blue line i think that because his brother ryan fitzgerald who's graduated here and his father played NHL hockey so i think that he has so a support team that knows and can really analyze his game and won't say, you got to go just not knowing hockey just because they want the money. Um, and also, Ryan stayed for four years, and I think that might be a thing where if it's Gerald's wanting to get their degree uh, from a place like Boston College. Uh, I'll get to White last, but the other guy, other sophomore NFL drafted, uh, Dudek and Brown both were drafted by the Devils and Sabres. I think Dudek's going to stay. I don't think he can go yet. I th- Brown... Could be a dark horse, but I think Brown will stay again. He had a really good year, besides missing a couple games with Mono. White could go either way, I think. He's a little undersized. I think he still has some learning to do. Maybe about finessing some stuff on his offensive game and not taking stupid penalties. But it wouldn't shock me if he left. I, I really feel like Colin White, if I have to take my heart out of it and just look at it. I feel like he's gone. And my main reason for that is I absolutely, I'm right there with you, Kyle, on the fact that when you watch him play at BC, it just looks like his game's not ready for the next level just yet. And that's no knock on him because he's a fantastic player. You don't go 21st overall without being a fantastic player. But that didn't show necessarily at BC this past season. But when you looked at the World Juniors Tournament and you watched him in that and you saw him play with guys who are NHL caliber and you saw him play with guys who were on his skill level, he was second, third best on that team. He is 
if you take those two weeks, which I'm sure scouts are looking heavily at, he is absolutely ready for the next level. Um, the only reason, really, I think he didn't leave last year was the change in owner or the change in management over there. I would be surprised if he's playing for us next season. Casey Fitz, I, I think that's an excellent point about Ryan. Maybe not necessarily for me on the education front, but just because of you know thinking about carrying on a Fitzgerald legacy. Casey is a lot more talented, maybe a little bit more raw, but a lot more talented than Ryan was coming in. Obviously, he's a national developmental team prospect. Um, but I don't think he's ready to go, and I think he knows he's not ready to go. And past that, I, I really wouldn't expect uh, anybody else to be departing the Eagle. Yeah, I certainly hope not. Um, you know, if we, gosh, if, if they were to lose Brown, Dudek, um, and Fitzgerald, and White, um, probably stop the podcast here. So, so what are we have fresh from the sophomores. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I, I probably would agree. What White will probably head on to Ottawa. The, the thing with him is. There's been talks that he might not go straight to the NHL. They're pretty good this year. I believe they're second or third in the Atlantic Division. Not that that necessarily affects him that much, um, but that will kind of be something to watch out for. Um, but it should be happening in the next couple of days from from what I've heard. So, guys, as we look kind of big picture on this team, uh, I think they're poised through the experience of the game this, this past season to definitely be better and maybe maybe even be, be pretty good. I mean, that, that they, they could – take a step back maybe with the record in terms of the guys they lose. But if they bring in a big class, Kyle, you alluded to maybe some bigger names in this class, and they could be even they could be really exciting and, and fun. Um, because in a lot of ways, they maybe surpassed the expectations this year, uh, certainly in some areas that I think they did. So knowing all that, give me a ceiling and a floor for this team next year. I know we're not maybe too keen on what the, what the recruiting class looks like. I mean, it might be out there. I don't know the names. Um, but let's say it's a good Jerry York recruiting class ceiling and floor for this team i forget that exact names i sure there are some more flashier ones more top prospects kind of like colin white and a miles wood level guys i think the floor i'll start off is similar to this year that would just happen they couldn't fully replace the seniors but the new talent comes in and with the then juniors and sophomores having learned from this year and having gained so much experience they just don't have to have the top in talent or leadership to put them over the hump the i think the ceiling is maybe not quite what we saw last year but maybe a top seven team in the pairwise, that would mean White stays. That means Joe Wall develops. That means the freshmen come in and we can have a contributor like Miles Wood came in as a freshman and contributed, like Colin White came in as a freshman and contributed. And that involves another sophomore like a Cotton and a McPhee taking that leap up, like maybe not to Sanford and Tuck levels, but making leaps like they did from freshman to sophomore year. And I think that, and part of it also, you have to look at the surrounding areas. Harvard, they were great this year. Who knows if they're going to lose more guys? BU was great. Who knows if they're going to lose guys? So I think that they could, if everything breaks right, between guys developing and the freshman class coming in and also surrounding area, maybe losing guys to the league like we did before this season, they could jump back to the top 10, top 7 in the pairwise for next year. So this is obviously going to sound a little little, little homerish and uh, you know a little... Um a little perhaps overly optimistic, but I look at this team and I really think that the ceiling for them is very, very high. My reasoning for this is it's it feels like it's going to be a vacuum year in Hockey East in that Notre Dame is gone. That's one less top team. That's one team out of your top four that's gone and nobody's replacing them. You have BU, who you mentioned. I, th- I think they've got to be looking at a huge hit to that roster. They have so many freshmen and sophomores who are NHL-ready as it is and who are prime candidates to move on. 
and they could be in for a really, really down year. Their recruiting class is nothing like last year's was this year coming in. So they could really fall a little bit or quite a ways. And that leaves a lot of room for that Hockey East title. And that's where I think BC's ceiling is. I think they're a prime contender for a Hockey East title next year, despite some questions, obviously, if these guys are really going to progress in the way that we need them to. Um, but the reason that I think that they they really have that ceiling is because of this this class. And, and I have it, and I've, I've looked into it a little bit. And we have our best prospect coming in since Noah Hannafin and Ely Tolvanen, a Finnish kid who's coming in here, so who's expected to go top 10, maybe top 5 in this next draft. Not a good candidate to stay for maybe more than a year <laughs> or two, but could definitely help in what could be a huge transition year for the Eagles. And then you have three U.S. National Developmental Team prospects. It's a big class. It's seven, eight guys. And, I mean, it's it's primed to be one of the best, best classes York has ever brought in, um, just on the size and the skill of it. And if two of those guys can play to be top scorers for this team. They could be very, very good. They could be looking at a hockey's title and they could be looking at a top eight finish and a two seed in the tournament. Now, in terms of the floor, you know, those, those guys don't pan out. BU rebounds quickly. Another team steps up. Maybe a UVM really hits their stride next year. Then you could be right back in the same position you're in this year. Um, it depends, you know, who, who stays and who goes as well. But uh, I think that you know, the future is bright. It might be optimistic, but things look like they could break the Eagles way next season. Exciting words, encouraging words. Um, if, if that class can produce guys like Noah Hannafin, that, that's exciting stuff. I mean, think about it, if Hannafin could have stayed around last year with that, with that team. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, yeah, that, they, they <laughs> might win. So, um, hopefully we can kind of get back to those kind of days. Um, guys, final question, you know, maybe a little bit not as much centered on BC. Um, from what you guys have seen this year, and you've paid attention pretty close to college hockey, is there, is there a team that stands out to you to, to, compu- to compete for the national championship this year? I mean, we, we saw a lot of UMass Lowell. We saw a lot of BU. Um, we saw North Dakota at, at uh, MSG in the college hockey showdown. Uh, I know Denver is very good this year. So if you, if you had to give me a team to, to watch out for, for maybe some general hockey fans out there, who, who, might, who might that be? Um, you know, I think that this is a tough year for Hockey East. I don't think really, unless UMass Lowell stays hot. I mean, UMass Lowell is, is the hottest team in the country. So they've got the best chance at running the table and, and getting to the Frozen Four and winning it. Um, BU, as good as they are, is just a young team. Um, uh, perhaps from a, a division that's not as familiar to people out here, the NC, NH, NCH, NCHC, um, Minnesota Duluth is is unbelievable they are of the caliber north dakota was last year they could be a very very scary team to reckon with in the tournament so if i had to take somebody today to to win it all it would definitely be them i'm just going with the ones that i remember reading around beanpot time and that's the one of the beanpot became the went to the forest in the tournament between the four beanpot schools bu and harvard the only two in harvard won so i think almost every single beanpot champion has made it to the frozen four in recent history I think this goes back to around 09. I think I remember reading an article about this. So, I mean, go with that, you got to go Harvard. Yeah, I mean, Harvard would be an exciting one. Uh, certainly our big rival, but, um, you know, college hockey is about as exciting as it gets here in Boston. So, you know, t- take it back from the, from the Midwest. We don't, we don't want to keep the <laughs> National Championship out there. We want to bring it back to the East Coast and hopefully back to uh, County Forum one, one of these days. Um, but, guys, great insight as always. Um, it was said is a season that had some good things, had some things that we would like to maybe see do better. But Jerry York reloads every year, 
just one of the best coaches. Can't even really describe him. And uh, excited to kind of see him hang around for the next couple of years, what he can kind of do at the end of his career, and maybe bring another national championship, maybe bring that sixth star to, to the back of those jerseys. So, Quinn and Kyle, thank you so much for joining me on episode 18 of WZBC Sports Podcast. As always, check out all of our stuff at WZBCSports.com and on iTunes under WZBC Sports Radio. That's going to do it for us, Steve, Quinn, and Kyle. We'll see you next time on the WZBC Sports Podcast. Pass over to Stanford. Stanford gives it to Tuck. Tuck with a shot. Oh! Tuck scores. Eagles win. The Eagles have won the 2016 Team Championship. Catch all the excitement of Boston College Athletics right here on WZBC Newton 90.3 FM. As BC's only student radio broadcasting organization, WZBC Sports brings a different viewpoint of college athletics to the table. Our student commentators know the campus, student-athlete culture, and latest beat on the teams like no other media outlet, thanks to our dedicated coverage of Boston College sports. Check out our broadcast or weekly talk show schedules at www.wzbcsports.com and get a refreshing take on sporting events at the heights and beyond.